Balance is a myth. And for years, I fought for balance. I wanted everything to have the best of me at all times. My children, my husband, my colleagues, my friends, myself. But I wasn't all right. I was far from balanced until I learned that I had to embrace the inevitable imbalance to find the harmony I so desperately needed. Each episode reflects on the imbalance in a woman's life and how she chose to find some kind of harmony to push through. You can do it too. Disrupting balance is for real women, for perfectly imperfect women, for women giving their all the running on empty. It is for you, your life, your experience, your truth, and all of the chaos in between. I am Hanifa Barnes, and I am disrupting balance by finding harmony in the imbalance of work, well-being, and the in-between. Hey, Disrupting Balance listeners, welcome to Season 7, Episode 56 with Monica Gorey. And before we jump in, I want to talk about the phoenix arising from the ashes. Have you ever heard that story? If not, it is rooted in Greek mythology and essentially says the phoenix takes on new life or is reborn once they arise from those ashes, those ashes representing so many things in the lives of who we are. And this next guest is truly a phoenix who has arisen from the ashes. I'm saying there was a period in her life where back to back she experienced major loss, the loss of her father, the loss of her marriage, and the loss of her mother. And in spite of it all, she was able to arise and come out of that cloud and find her way into her own power and purpose. But she didn't do it alone. She had family, she had friends, she had a community, she had colleagues, she had her prayer, she had her faith. She was journaling and calling forth those things that she wanted for herself. And that is how she is able to be a leader, a role model, and more importantly, a servant. So hello and welcome to another episode of the Disrupting Balance podcast. We are in season seven, y'all. Can you believe it's been seven seasons already? And I have a wonderful and amazing guest that I cannot wait for you to hear from. In the guest chair today, we have Monica Gorey. How are you doing, Monica? I'm doing fantastic, Hanifa, doing fantastic. I'm excited to be here with you on today, this absolute fantastic journey you have going on. I'm so glad you're here. And for those of you listening who may not know, Monica and I go way, way, way back. And sometimes you may hear me refer to her as Moni Mon. Don't worry. It's just kind of my own little name that I have for her. But other than that, I'm going to turn it over so you can hear more about her amazing story. And we'll start with you. What is my story? That's so chopped full and packed, Hanifa. But um, my story, I would say, I have to start with birth. Okay, I'll go back and just say that uh, my mom and dad, who are both deceased, fantastic parents. My father was from Georgia, Columbus, Georgia, and my mother was from Barbados the West Indies. So 
<clears throat> my dad was in the Navy and he, he was in, he was stationed in Barbados and he saw my mother, that beauty. And he said, I'm going to marry her and take her back to the States. And so here I am, me and my sister, just two of us. And um, I'll fast forward to where I am now and just who I am now. I am a principal and um, it was a goal of mine and I've made it to that goal. I've reached that goal. And although my mom is not here, my dad is not here, I know that they are super duper proud of me, um, as well as the fact that being a principal, I'm allowed to be in front of people. Um, I see it as being a almost a servant. I'm a servant. Um, that's part of my story, as well as just like a preacher. A preacher um, has his flock in the church. I have my flock in the community meaning my Souter Elementary School flock. So I just feel like my story has to do with my mom and dad rearing me to be the best that I can be all the time. My mother being the one that made me and my sister speak well. We couldn't say fitting to or fixing to. She would just really get onto us. And so that's me. That's who I am. I'm just trying to be my best and do my best each and every day because I have so many looking at me. So that is my story. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, because you come, so based on what you say, you come from a multicultural background. So father being from Georgia, mother being from Barbados and you being raised in Georgia. What did you find were some of the moments of challenge being in an, a household like that in Georgia, in the South? Right. So definitely some challenges. And I might not have even known at that age, being younger, that they were challenges. But one thing I can always remember and I talk about is the fact that um, when we moved from Texas and so, of course, my dad once again was in the Navy. So we traveled a lot. OK, so he was stationed at one time in Texas. And then from Texas, we moved to Georgia because that's when my dad had retired. And when we got to um Georgia, I can just remember friends saying, and we were young, you speak so proper. And I was like, what is proper? And um, they would always say that to me. And um, so I just have to say those types of things were challenges as well as my mother having an accent, Hanifa. When people would come around, they would be like, "What? she sounds different. And you know what? That made me feel different. I mean, really different. So I'm going to be honest. I would say when I was younger, I didn't embrace that side because it was different. It was not until I got older, college, um, outside of out of college, when I started to embrace that piece. That American piece was always going to be there, always. And so going back to my dad being in Georgia, that's where I got this little draw from. <laughs> I know I do have that draw. So people say that from time to time. But I, so I kind of go between a draw and a little bit of proper. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I know exactly what you're talking about with that feeling of difference, uh, especially when you're growing up in an environment that is not that does not directly emulate your immediate environment, you right. know, um, being an African child myself growing up in the South and having parents with different accents, eating different foods, my house smelled different, oh. 
you know, I didn't always watch everything everyone else watched. I kind of got on certain right. rap songs late because, you know, there were just things I didn't know, you know, and right. it was just weird right. being different. But I, I absolutely understand that. But what do you think it was for your mom in her instilling these practices in you? You talked about speaking properly. I know your mom was also about being polished and presentable because you've carried that through since we've known each other. Why do you think it was important to her to instill those types of qualities in you and your sister? Wow. Um, another loaded question, but it's amazing. So Hanifa, let's think back to my mom's funeral and you came to it. I mean, fantastic. You came from Jersey. You came all the way down to support me. And just think when I was speaking at the funeral and I said, it's amazing. My mom was preparing me for this. I never knew it. I mean, it hit me when I was writing and it took me a while to get that written when I had to get up and speak at the funeral. But I say that to say my mom just she growing up in Barbados, they expected a certain thing. It um, um, was colonized by the British. So therefore, therefore, um she just expected your nails had to be clean because she said her parents looked at her nails. You know, they had to show their nails and they were clean, different things like that. Once again, you were going to speak well. So she pushed us, pushed us, pushed us at all times. And then as far as looking, my mother was beautiful. She was a beautiful beige on queen. And so therefore, um, she looked a certain kind of way. So I saw that all the time. So I feel like I emulate that. And Hanifa, I will say this. When I got older, I visited my dad. This was after my mom and dad got a divorce and he was in Columbus and I was walking away from him. I was in college. I think it was college or either first year teaching. As I was walking away to leave, he said, you look just like your mom. When I tell you that was the best compliment I had ever received. Because I knew what I looked up and saw in her every single day as she pushed us. I thought she was being mean, but no, she made me who I am today. Yeah, that is really deep. And sometimes I think when we hear that, depending on where we are in our lives, it can ha have a different effect, right? For you in that moment in your life, that was a the highest compliment, right? Which yeah. is a huge blessing. And so knowing that, and if you're comfortable talking about it, how did your life shake up or what was that the impact of the imbalance of starting to realize that, okay, my mother's no longer going to be with me? Like right. those moments, that time in your life, what right. was that like for you? So the imbalance um, was very, um, oh gosh, it was, it was hard. Um, prior to my mother and my father passing, but so my, my dad passed in 11, 2011, my mom in 2015. And in between that time, my mom got sick. And then I'll speak to prior to that, I got a divorce. Okay. So going into or separating first and then dad getting sick instantly and passing, my mom being diagnosed with Alzheimer's within that time, that's when that imbalance, oh my gosh, imbalanced began for me. And um, having to take care of my mother, helping my stepfather to take care of my mother, 
um, because she did remarry. Great marriage, 25 years, just like married to my dad, 25 years. Um, so I saw that imbalance. And for me, it was hard. It was tremendously hard. And it hit me when my mom passed. It broke me down. And um, it was my cousin, Nita, who helped me to realize that it was hard. Because I think what happened was, because I have Zion, my 15-year-old son at this time. Of course, he was young at that time. And I was an assistant principal. I just had to keep going. When she passed, it was like I went on autopilot. And I'll be honest, I didn't know I was on autopilot. I had to seek counseling to be able to move forward. And my counselor, Shantae, shout out to Shantae, who told me, you were just on autopilot. And that's what people do. You can never be, you can never be ready for trauma. No kind of trauma. Death is trauma. So I went on autopilot, just was moving, moving, moving. And then I started just, getting, my body started breaking down, to be perfectly honest. And I don't, you know, mind sharing because I think this is what it's all about. That's what we're used for. I know that's what God intends me to do, is that my testimony at that time was I was about to experience some depression, I do believe. And so because of that reason, I had to see somebody. And I'm so grateful that I did. So that imbalance was all of that. And I had to move myself out of it. Yeah, it's a big deal, I think, in our community. And even as being someone who is um, multicultural in multicultural communities, it's difficult to talk about your mental well-being, your mental state, because yeah. they think, oh, they automatically go to this idea of crazy, like something yes. is wrong. Right. And I think we carry that. Like you had to be okay with, you said Nita helped you to realize it was okay to, to realize you, you, you're not okay. I mean, it's okay. She said, Hanifa, she said it. She said it to me and it was mean. Yeah. And I think she said it that way so that I would understand it. She said to me one day, she said, I, she said, Monica, I need you to understand that you have been through a lot. You've been through divorce. Your dad, my uncle passed, and my aunt, your mom passed. That is a lot, Monty. So you need to do something. You've got to do something about it. And what about your emotion? Like you said, you were on autopilot. Do you remember feeling deep or intense emotion? Like with those three major life events back to oh back, God. was there a point where you were like, yeah, I'm, I'm done being angry. I'm done crying. I'm done this. I'm, I'm just doing what I need to do. Was Did you ever get to that point? I cried, but I don't remember crying a lot. And so I think that's what that autopilot was. It was, I, don't, I didn't even know. Um, I wasn't cognizant of what I was doing. And so maybe, maybe internally I was saying to myself, I'm tired of the hurt. I'm tired of the pain. And I just kept going because once again, Zion was young. I was an assistant principal and I had to get back to work. And it, if it wasn't for, I'll have to give another shout out to Rashida Brown. She was our school psychologist at River's Edge at the time. And she would come in and check on me, the school psychologist, because she was also a counselor at the time. And she would talk about my mental health, my mental well-being. And she would say, I just want you to be well. And I was, she said, you look fine. You look like you're doing well. 
But Hanif, by December, from August to December, I broke down. And she told me, that's your body telling you you're not fine. Mm, mm. And then, so you were an assistant principal at the time. At the time, yes. I mean, now you're a principal, but even being an, an assistant principal is hard work. And <laughs> you're responsible for other people's babies. Absolutely. And you're trying to hold yourself together and take care of your baby. Right. Like, how did you do that? Like, how do you get get up in the morning, get ready, look good? Because I know you were looking good. Help <laughs> make your baby look good. Get out the door and go be an amazing assistant principal for your community and those kids. I had to literally choose life every day. And I say that and mean that in the truest sense of the word. It was simple, but it was impactful for me. Every day I would get up, I would say, thank you, God, for waking me up. That's what I always say as I hit the floor. And I would say, I choose life. I had to say that because if I didn't say it, I don't know where I would be. I don't think I would be sitting here today. I don't think I would be the principal I am today, the mother, the sister, everything else that I am. And so once again, seeking counseling, she really helped me to see through what was going on, being okay with the pain and feeling the pain, experiencing it. She said, you have permission to feel. Like I give you permission to feel, stop hiding it. And girl, so when I sat down on that couch, I just cried. It was many weeks that all I did was cry. Mm. So you were letting out all that stuff you were holding on to. Do you think subconsciously before you really had these conversations with Rashida and even your own um, um, specialist, do you think you didn't let go because of what that that image could be? Did you think it would make you seem weaker or not put together? What Did any of that cross your mind? I don't know. I don't even think it crossed my mind because once again, I just got up and went. I just know to go. I'm always on go. And so since I don't know anything else, I knew that I had to continue to go and not knowing that I wasn't well enough to keep going. I'm just glad that I had people looking out for me and that's nothing but the grace of God for people to be there saying, you look good on the outside, but what's that inside looking like and feeling like? So um, I never thought about it to be perfectly honest. I didn't know it until I got in it. And one of those things was, I got super dizzy. I would be driving and I would get dizzy. I would be in the school building and I would get dizzy. And that's where it all stemmed from because we were, I had doctors I went to, I mean, by primary care physician, then he sent me to ear, ear, nose, throat doctor. Um, I mean, I went to several doctors and they didn't know there was nothing wrong with me. They were like, nothing is wrong. My pressure was going up. But, you know, Rashida said, Monica, that's your body telling you you're not well. Inwardly was coming outwardly. My counselor, Shantae, said the same thing. That's what that is. It's your body telling you you're not well. And you got to deal with that thing. Yeah. So I deal with it. So do you think there's some stubbornness in some of that, too? It must be. <laughs> I mean, you know, because it's like, like, it's like, 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 like
because I'm a Taurus. I'm a Taurus. <laughs> oh yes, Lord, yes. That's yeah. yeah. And and you're a Taurus. You're a type, ambitious. I mean, yes. and you've been doing your thing on for yourself for a long time, right? right. So I think, and I'm speaking to myself as well. I think. <laughs> It's hard to hear some of that because it's like, wait a minute, I'm fine. Nothing, nothing is wrong with me. Right. I can handle it, but it's okay not to be able to handle it. Let's. You talked about a lot of the people around you, the people in your environment that right. really help to lift you out right. of kind of that space. You talked about friends. You talked about family. You talked about your son. Um, you talked about your counselor. Let's talk about the community of people and resources right. uh, that have that really have helped you along that journey. And you have a lot of them still in play today. Like your your core group is very important. Let's talk about the strength of community and what that did for you. Right. So the strength of community is 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 amazing. It's powerful. Um, it's endearing. Um, I don't want to get rid of it. I have to have it. I need it. I thrive off of it. Um, the strength of community is is what we have to have or what I needed to be able to get to the next place or the next phase. I've talked about being on go all the time, but at that point I, I, I thought I was on go, but I really wasn't. <laughs> I was on pause. <laughs> I was on pause and didn't know. And so that community the community, my community, just, it would be things they would say to me, Hanifa, and they might not even have known what I was dealing with, but just certain things they would say, um, prayer of the community. I, I can't, I've got to stay there. It's the prayer of the community. Um, their words, they would say to me, but is it is the prayer. And I know it was the prayer of the righteous that allowed me to continue to go and get to that other side. Um, when my mother passed, Hanifa, I could tell people that, you know, from the Bible where it talks about God is love. I saw God's love clear as day when my mother passed and the community that rallied around me. I saw God's love in real time. And so I say that to say those people knew me, knew what I was going through, and I know they were praying for me. And so that's what helped. That's the strength. That's where I gained my strength. I would have to say my mom and dad too up in heaven. Shout out to them. Yeah, that's right. And I think when we think about the idea of harmony and all this craziness and what's going on, prayer for you, like for me, is a major, major component or foundation of being able to to get back to where, you know, we need to be. Um, And how, how was prayer instilled in your life? Was that something that was a part of your life? Did you all have to go to church or did you watch your mom or how did, how did it become important? How did you know? So it was important growing up, Hanifa. Um, My mom, once again, growing up and or being from Barbados, um, she was Episcopalian, which was the Anglican Church, um, Church of England. So um, and my dad was Baptist. So when they got married, he, he said, as I was a little older, he says, well, I became Episcopalian because your mom was that. So we were different from the family. His family was Baptist. 
all day long. We even had somebody that some um, family members that were sanctified, you know. So, but I say all that to say we were different Episcopalian. Our prayer was in church. Our prayer was in home at dinner. We actually sat together to eat dinner back then. My girlfriend, Carol, my best friend back then would say, y'all eat together. That's weird. And it was, again, different. And so we would say grace. Now, um, it wasn't until I got older, Hanifa, and I had to find my way because I was Episcopalian all through um, college. And then I just said, mommy, I want to do something different. And she looked at me and I had started, you know, visiting Baptist churches and all that just to see what was going on. I did. And so when I really realized that I wanted to move forward and this is fast forwarding to my marriage and Sean was Baptist, I went to her. I said, I want to join a Baptist church. I thought she was going to be so mad, honey. (laughs) I was so scared. But she said, Monty, I want you to do what's best for you. I'm just glad you're going to church. And so that's when it even took a more impactful part in my life, being around Baptist members at Zion Missionary Baptist Church um, that I became a member of with Sean, my ex-husband. And I got in the choir and and I would tell them I grew up in a Episcopalian church. So I don't know these songs. And honey, I would be up there jamming. And they were like, you can't tell you grew up in that kind of church. It fit. It fit for me. So the way that I learned and saw people praying out loud and just because we didn't do that growing up. Now we prayed, but it wasn't all out loud. But honey, for honey, I'm saying praise God and telling Zion all the time, you better tell, say thank you, Jesus, for everything. I tell them that for everything. You make a shot on the basketball court, you say thank you, Jesus. So that's where I am now. I'm real outward with it. And I learned that as I got older. Yep. Amen yeah. to that. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, you've come and, and it's not a full circle because your circle's not complete yet. I think you've got so much life to live still and things to do, but I want to know about the circle completion for your goal. At the top of this, you talked about being a principal was a goal. And I remember that very clearly, especially when you were doing your teaching stuff for your undergrad and preparing those poster boards and carrying them around. And and I used to look at y'all like, y'all crazy. I ain't never doing that. And now you're here full circle professionally based on this goal. So how did that goal, closing out that goal, begin to take effect? Because you're an assistant principal going through the most challenging time in your life. How did you then start the process to become a principal? What did you do? What was that mindset like for you? Um, very good question. I, so once again, in that imbalanced part of my life and, um, going through counseling, um, grief counseling, it really helped me to put some things aside or not even aside, but understand how to deal with them. And so once I knew how to deal with those things, those, those dizzy moments and spells went away, that was nothing but anxiety. During that time, I'll share, I almost taught myself out of becoming a principal. I was tired. I was, and and maybe not just tired. So maybe not just tired of the job or the career, because as an AP, everybody knows you do everything. You do everything. But the crazy thing is that everything prepared me for today. And so I was tired, but 
it wasn't about the job, probably. It was being tired of what was going on in my life and having to come to terms and grips with that and um, finally fighting through that and knowing how to get through that through a lot of prayer. I did journaling and I used to journal every night and my journaling was prayer. So I didn't pray your normal prayer with your hands clasped, head down. I was sitting up writing in my bed and I was praying. Those were my prayers. I've got several journals of prayers. And it's amazing as I started writing things, they started manifesting. I mean, total manifestation. I mean, to the T. I would be real exact on things that I wanted. I mean, I, I, I can't sit here and think about or say that I wrote about the principles. Maybe I did write about the principalship. Maybe, and I know God knew that I was trying to talk myself out of it. I think at one point I, got, I became afraid. I think it was the what I was going through yeah. that made me afraid to move forward yeah. or ahead because yeah. this is the biggest. This is big. Yeah. The principal of a school, you are responsible for everybody. I became afraid. It's almost like I took a step back. I was making myself take a step back. But after a while, when I got better, Hanifa, God said, uh-uh, come on now. It's time to go. <laughs> the feelings you have along your journey will usually dictate the feelings once you meet your destination, right? Yeah. And so I want to know, what was the feeling for you when you finally secured that principalship? Oh my gosh, I mean, that was amazing. Um, When it came around, um, I'll speak in terms of, once again, when my mom passed, I was approached by another person in the community, my community, a friend of mine, Ave Tatum. And she and I in the past used to do a lot of summer sessions teaching professional development with teachers. I always loved being in front of teachers and just teaching. And she approached me and said, I want you to um, create a course to help um, those that want to become an assistant principal. We were talking about we need a course that will help mold those that want to go into leadership, but they just don't know how or how to be a leader. We want you to do that. And it was myself and another guy, Keith Racine, former AP in the district. And um, he and I did it together. We planned it. Um, We um, wrote it for a year. And then the following year, we were teaching the course in the district. So I taught that course, Hanifa, for three years. And then at the end of the third year, that's when I got promoted. Thank God that God is God mm-hmm. and he will do what he does. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I, and I submit to him and his will and his way. And so when I became principal, got appointed, I mean, it was, I couldn't do nothing but thank God. It's nothing but God. And to know that I limited myself and was about to, um, even to the point that, I was telling Zion, my son, I said, Zion, I'm going to be looking for some jobs. You know, I don't know if it'll be a principalship, but I'm about to make some more money. I just knew in my heart I wanted more. I was going to get more. Kept saying, I don't know if it'll be the principalship. I don't know if I really want that. And then lo and behold, it became the principalship. And when I tell you when I became principal, he blessed me so. It is amazing what God will do when you are obedient, resilient, and you listen. Mm-hmm. At some point I had to get still. And I think that was part of my prayers. 
when I was journaling. Mm. Those were the times that I was still. Yeah. And I would just put things on paper and um, it manifested. So I felt like I had accomplished what I needed to accomplish. I was like, Lord, I wish my mom and dad were here, but they know. They know. know? They know. know. So it's beautiful. It was beautiful to see that my family was with me. Zion was there when I got appointed. That was beautiful for him him to be able to see me get uh, promoted and appointed. And the the way that that's done at a board meeting, they have to vote on you, all of that. So it was beautiful, Hanifa. I'm just, I'm I'm elated. I still am. Yep. That's amazing. And I I love the way God does the work because in that moment where you were talking yourself out of it, he brought this other thing for you to create this class, this AP class that you had no clue what what this had to do with anything. But if you had a clue that this was going to lead to it, you probably would have been like, ah, I don't know. But you stepped all the way in. Because yes. you had no clue. And I just love how God does these things. Because sometimes he just puts stuff on you and you're like, okay, fine, whatever. Right. And you don't realize where it's leading. Uh-uh. And I said, for real, are you serious right mm-hmm. now? Man, my dad my, my dad passed in 11. Now my mom is dead. Yep. What are you saying, God? That's me yep. talking to God. Like, are you for real? Yep. And it was really real. And it just got me out in front of people. Mm-hmm. Those that were in the course, they loved me. And it was really my element. Yeah, it was yeah. my element. Yeah, that's testimony right there. It is. It is. Yeah. Keyword, you brought up obedience. You brought up listening. You brought up stillness. You brought up prayer. All these like are key for me yeah. in my life. And I hope whoever's listening can really like jot this down when they're in their prayer meditation and they're journaling because that is important. And you talked about manifesting. Yes. Like people think this is, you know, manifesting is a magical, it's not about magic. uh -uh. It's intention, it's prayer, it's faith, it's obedience. It's all these things you've talked about. What do you think you are manifesting for in your future? Or are those things you are still thinking about? Because you've met your goal, you're at a good place right. in your life, your right. baby's in high school, life is good. Right. What do you think is next for you or that you would want next for yourself? You know, I've had people tell me they could see me as a superintendent. <laughs> Come on, word. Come on. I'm writing it down for you. I'm writing it. I hadn't written that. That's not in the journal. <laughs> That, I'm afraid of that one. I'm just gonna put it out there. You know, you you kind of you know we are faithful and we we grow, but sometimes you get you step a little back sometimes. And and um, people have said that to me. I don't know, but what I do know is whatever's next for me, I'll go. I'm I'm poised to go, as I've always been. Even if he says go, and I'm like. Are you for real? Again, have that conversation again. But I know that he's there with me every step of the way. He meaning God. And um, he doesn't leave me, nor does he forsake me. I know without a shadow of a doubt, this is what he has me here for right now. I am.
am Monica Gorey, and I am disrupting balance by leaning, trusting, and depending on God because me, myself, and I can't do it. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. I truly, truly appreciate you and know that I am working to build a community of balance disruptors. Those are women who are working to find harmony in the imbalance of work well-being and the in-between. And if you're interested in joining, go to www.disruptingbalance.com and you'll get occasional emails and messages around health, harmony, and mindset to get you through the imbalance of your day. You can also follow me on social media at Disrupting Balance on all platforms. Or if there is a particular topic you want to hear on the podcast, shoot me a message at info at disruptingbalance.com. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It truly helps us to grow and move forward and disrupt balance. Talk soon.